Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Praise God. Luke chapter 5 verses 36. The Bible says, and he said unto them a parable. He said unto them a parable. This was a parable. It says, no man putteth a piece of new garment upon an old one, for if otherwise then both the new maketh the rent, and the piece that was stone out of the new agreeth not with the old. And the next verse says, and no man putteth new wine into old bottles or wine skins. No one pours new oil into old wine skins. If he does, the Bible says the fresh wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be ruined or destroyed. But new wine, the Bible says, must be put into fresh wine skins. Not should be, not it's advisable. The Bible says must be put in what? Fresh wine skins. And no one after drinking old wine immediately desires new wine for he says that the old is good or better. Praise God. This was a parable by our Lord Jesus to give understanding to then the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, the religious leaders and zealots of the law, the ones that were indulged in observances, prejudices and bigotry of their time and is seeing that a trend has happened within them, and now a certain move has come, something new has been poured out, of course, the person of Christ, the dispensation of his ministry on the face of the earth now starts to define many things that are contrary to how Judaism views God, and many things that are indeed the move of God, the move of the Holy Spirit, the deliberate mind and plan of God to work in his time, but they were not able, not willing, were not comfortable with getting rid of the charms of antiquity that they had with the old wine that they were taking. You understand? So, now we have a challenge. And here is the challenge. That new wine is come. And because new wine is come, the Bible says, no man that has taken Old wine desires, you see, the word there is desires, new wine. For he says the old is better. In fact, the literal Greek better there is good. He says the old is good. You understand? So he says, you see, you cannot put new wine in an old wine skin. Why can you not put new wine in an old wine skin? Simple. He says that the new wine will bust in the old, or the old wineskins will tear and give way for the new wine. Why? Because new wine comes with a fresh fermentation. And that fermentation, the old wineskin cannot stand. 
old wineskins, let me probably explain to you. In the original culture of the Jews and the Palestinians, till some cultures to date, that side of the world, old wineskins were made out of goat skin. Are you hearing me? So they're not necessarily bottles like you read them. That's simply the English trying to illustrate how it understands the word. But this, the wineskins that held the wine were made out of God's skin. Are you following me? So, the more the wine grew, the easier it was for the old wine skin to hold it because old wine has something interesting in its way of aging. As it ages, it becomes good to the person testing it. It increases in flavor and strength, but yet becomes mild and mellow in nature. Who understands what I'm saying? It's like, for example, something that can become so sweet as it grows older, but probably as it grows in a, as it grows older and gains more flavor, it loses the power to intoxicate. Do you understand what I'm saying? It loses the power to intoxicate. It becomes mellow and mild, yet strong in flavor. And that's an irony. That's a paradox right there. What becomes stronger in flavor can give an impression of relevance because its strength and flavor to some people define its intoxication level. Some people, it defines its effect because it's sweeter. Some people think it has more effect. It's like when we were growing up, before we understood the science of soda, I remember one time we had an old woman yeah, where we were living. And then during that time I was sick. Then she said, why don't you buy for him this red soda for more blood? So she thought, that Mirinda Fruity, for some reason, Mirinda Fruity, because it's reddish in color, it's sort of when it gets into your body, it easily dissolves into blood than water could. You understand? New wine, on the other hand, might not have that strong taste, but it has that high level of intoxication. It has the freshness, that fresh fermentation. It comes with its power. So he says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. They will tear and they will break. And then Job 32 verse 19, he brings sanity to explain the wineskin. And he says, behold, my belly is as wine which has not vent, it is ready to burst like new wine bottles or new wine skins. The word there for belly is womb. The Hebrew word is beten. That means in this instance, the womb, the belly represents the wine skin. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. The belly represents the wine skin. For out of their bellies shall flow rivers of living water. You understand where that comes from? But this, the Bible says, speck he signifying the spirit that should come. 
So that means this verse is talking about the oil. It's talking about the anointing. It's talking about the glory of God on a man because of the anointing of God on his life. This scripture is not simply talking about wine and wineskin. It's talking about the anointing and the state of the man in light with the anointing and the glory of God upon their lives. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we have instances again in scripture, like I'm sharing now, like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, Judaism. Many of us don't have the appreciation that Judaism believed in the Torah. Judaism had the oldest history of Christianity, isn't it? It had the oldest history of the faith that you and I proclaim. Judaism believed in Abraham. Judaism believed in Moses. Judaism believed in Isaac. Believed in Jacob. Believed in Malachi, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hezekiah. Literally, it believed in the whole dispensation of the Old Testament. And it is amazing how so close Judaism than any other sect in that time was closer to the knowledge of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob than any sect there was. Yet even though they were closer than any sect or belief system in that time, they were far from God. As far as those who didn't even have a clue about who God was. Take heed of scriptures that sometimes appear like they are speaking about other people except you. Because you might be so shocked about how much these scriptures so much define us individually. When they were calling Jesus Christ a blasphemer, they were sure they were in the perfect will of God. When they were calling Paul a blasphemer and an adulterer or whatever they called him, they were sure that they were in the perfect will of God and that they were the beacons of spiritual authority of that time. They believed that God would not have spoken or done anything except by them because they were persuaded that they were in the perfect will of God. For all the ways of a man, the Bible says, seem rightful to him. But the end thereof is destruction. You can be on the way so sure that you're in the perfect will of God, serving God, doing the right thing at the right time, yet you are on your way to destruction and you don't even have the slightest clue that you're a man under judgment or you're a woman that is about to be retributed by Jehovah God himself. Yet, you are on the perfect. You look, you feel that, that it seems right to you. He says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It might not be physical death. It might become spiritual death. And sometimes the people who fall off this train are not far from what is true and right and godly and accurate. They are not far from the true light. Many men that fall off this train are not far from truth. They are so near it, quite a number of them even rub shoulders with it. But many of them at the end of the day, they end up heat so badly and destroyed. And before you know that, you're going to church, you're attending service, you're doing many things right, but inside within you're dying and you don't even have a clue why you are dying. But you are dying. 
in the presence where men ought to receive life. It does not mean that the altar is not giving life. No, otherwise all will be dying with you or around you. But, but the rest, are, some actually you see people evidently growing, increasing and getting life by the same word. And the same life that is coming to you in this instance, something locks it, it clogs it, it frustrates it. And before you know that, the word of God is made void of its power in your life. Yet you're sitting in the very place that you ought to be receiving life. Before you don't know that, things around you start dying. A certain death starts to hit certain things or your finances or your relationship or your ministry as an individual or your family or your, your marriage or many things start to go south, but you don't even have a clue why. Do you understand? You blame the man of God, you blame the bishop, you blame the apostle, maybe it's that prophet, maybe it's the other guy. Yes, some probably depends on where you drink from, but then why are others having results in the same ministry? Hello? And it's actually easier to know when the problem is the man of God or the problem is you. I always tell people, put the sensations aside and always weigh yourself against truth. You'll know who's right. Because the word of God does not lie. If your man of God has a problem, weigh him against truth. Weigh yourself against the same truth. You understand what I'm saying? Because truth is absolute. If he's lying on the altar, that's another thing. Huh? If he's contrary to the word, that's another thing. But if it's true to the word, then wear yourself. Or probably, again, we're dealing with people who some don't even know the difference anymore between what is right and wrong, true or false. Because, again, some of us are so dead in our desperate state that we cannot tell anymore the way of the Spirit. God, help us. Praise the Lord, somebody. Now, the Jews then, the Judistic understanding then the Pharisees, the Pharisees, the Sadducees of then, the religious zealots of then, they were very persuaded that they were in the perfect will of God and Christ, Paul, the New Testament, the new wine was out of course. Now, God mentions a statement very powerful like I'm going to say tonight and you almost think he's not talking about you but he's talking about the non-believers who don't know him. He makes a statement and this thing catches me every time I read it. Because for me, it puts me in the balance of what we define as wisdom. Okay? Jesus says, thank you, Father, for you have heed these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Thank you, God, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed these things unto babes. Revealed. Revelation hits the babe in the ministry and it skips the man or woman who thinks he is wise and prudent enough, even qualified to instruct and teach. Who is understanding what I'm saying? So then I start to realize that in our wisdom and prudence, we can miss the way of the Spirit. And babes stay on the course of the spirit. In our so-called wisdom and prudence, we have and can miss God. And people who seem like they are ignorant and indifferent and so far from hearing the same God, get him in the fullest sense of the revelation of his person. I was sharing with certain individuals and I told them, 
I said this many years ago, and I said, it has stayed a mark in my mind for as long as I live, at least I'm persuaded. Every time I think of the tsunami, and all of you have heard of the story, that two days before the tsunami, domesticated animals ran out of their master's houses and went onto the mountains. You know, they tell you that when an elephant is growing and it's still young, they tie a little small rope on it and it can't escape from its tree post where it's tied. And however big this elephant will grow, because it was conscious that this rope could not let it leave, even when it still has the power to pull the strand and break it, it still stays there and cannot move the moment it feels the least resistance because it thinks that the same thing that held it when it was little still holds it when it was young. But that day it was on record that even elephants pulled themselves off strings and went up the mountain. Little dogs at home ran out of their houses and went up that mountain two days before the tsunami. Human beings, Christians, tongues speaking, born again, prophets, bishops, evangelists, stayed there having service, seeking the Lord in the perfect will of God, quote-unquote, having service. And the tsunami came and killed men. What catches me on this story every time I narrate it is the thought that a man can die so much from the voice of God that God would seek to save an animal. Don't be mistaken. The people in that tsunami were not all non-believers. Or that there were none which knew the word probably more than many of us in this room today because we cannot gauge their spiritual levels. But it is possible for a man to walk so in, quote, quote, unquote, the will of God, yet so out of the will of God. It is possible for a man to seem and appear so right, yet so wrong in the things of the Spirit. It's very possible. It's very possible, very possible, very possible. You can get so used to coming to church, you get tongues and speak them, you offer when they preach a wonderful sermon, you are on street preaching, you get in the prisons and then do all these things and be so off that you don't even know that you don't even sense that you're off. It's possible. It's possible. Tears have filled my heart sometimes every time I look at the church and how people, you know, you raise somebody for two, three years down the road. They've been sitting under you for two, three years down the road. And then they do or say something. And you're asking yourself, has this person been hearing what God has spoken to them every time they were in the presence? That is why I tell people, always mark yourself 
every time you get into the third year of this thing. That's why old wine, according to Hebrew culture, they used to call it the wine of three leaves. Three leaves meant that for wine to be regarded old, it had to be in existence for more than three years. Three years is a very remarkable sign and mark for anybody in the spirit. That is why if you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, Belteshazzar, you remember the king is always saying, get the finest of the stock of the kingly anointing, get them in the kingdom, feed them with our food, teach them the Chaldean language, and change their names. And the Bible says, and after three years, they'll be able to serve the king. Because three years is a very, very definitive mark for any man in the spirit. There are people who still make mistakes in their first and second year. Those ones I understand. But when somebody goes into the third year of this gospel and still does things that even a person who has been here for two months cannot do, many of them are way off than you can ever imagine. You've sat under a ministry for four years, three years, and you're still gossiping. You've sat under a ministry for three and four years, and you're still slandering. You've sat under a ministry for three and four years, you're still in cheap talk and vain jangling and foolish jibber. You've sat under the ministry for three years, and you're still not serving God. You're not doing anything in the gospel. You've sat under the ministry for three years and your finances are not changing. Your life is not changing. Your mind is not changing. But you're getting excited and even getting slain. Someone sits under you for three years. One time I mentored a believer for six, for, there about four or five years. Four or five years, teaching them the word every day. And then somebody offended them. And I called them to my office and I told them, look, I'm not siding with who offended you, but I'm telling them, sitting under this ministry for more than three years, I expect that you'll forgive. And the person left the ministry. And they asked them why. And they said, the person says, Apostle Grace did not side with me. He took the side of the person who offended me. In my head, I am thinking, are we anymore talking about Apostle Grace or you have a bigger problem than you think you do? You leave a ministry because they told you to forgive? You leave a ministry because they told you to forgive? So you would have stayed if I told you to take revenge? Do you understand what I'm saying? But this person has been under the word for years. So don't think that because people are listening and screaming and shouting and sowing that they understand this God. Some people I don't understand that you can sit under this ministry this long and you don't know the basics of the Christian faith. For such people, I don't have words for. So sometimes I don't get it that somebody can sit two, three years down 
and they are still unstable in the simplest things. I agree we are all a work in progress, but at least let us appear that we are a work in progress. Let us not appear like we are a work that is not progressed, but a work in regress. I'm not talking about the usual two, three mistakes people do, or five bad ones, no. I'm talking about people who you start to look at and they evidently are not, they are not just sleep, but they are progressing. No, they are literally regressing and you can see that this person is dying every day, yet they are sitting under life. Even Jesus could not change some men. Judas was Judas. Oh, how can you sit under Jesus? No, but Judas was Judas. It was in Judas. There was no kind of gospel that could, could stop Judas from stealing. Yet he saw miracles, he saw signs, he saw wonders, the dead were raised, the Son of God knew everything. Judas knew that the Son of God knew this. But every time, he found his hand going in the past and picking money because it was in him. God help you. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Now here is a scripture that we all think is to Pharisees and Sadducees and, you know, those religious guys, the Judaistic guys. He's really talking about those guys. Same as I've said, that when he says, I've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes, sometimes it's the challenge now that we're finding in church or churches today that are preaching or certain ministries today and certain ministers. You think that because you're a minister, you preach... To people, they approve your wisdom and prudence. You obviously think that it's going to be obvious all your life eh? that when revelation falls, it will fall on you first. Or that you're always going to stay ahead of the people that you lead. And then you wake up one day and the people who look like they're babes, the Lord starts to reveal to them stuff that you don't even access anymore. And the place then that causes them to access what you're not, not able to access sometimes, it's how you have handled the things of the spirit. No, no, you've stayed wise and prudent, but you're becoming irrelevant even without knowing. That's why Paul has a charge on them which are wise in this world. That's why at one particular point the word warns us not to be wise in our own righteousness. Our own righteousness. Some people think that they understand better than others. Some people think, that's why some of us maintain a place of humility and some abuse our humility. Because they think being humble means we are equal. You understand? But again, we don't want to exalt ourselves beyond measure. Least God bypasses the prudent and wise and reveals things to the babe. Who is understanding what I'm saying? Now here is the challenge that we are having here, that now new wine had come. But the old tasted better. Why? Because by reason of use, by reason of being available for the wine, the intoxication of that wine goes lower. Its power is getting lower, yet it seems like it's increasing in strength and in flavor, yet losing its power. It's becoming mild every other day because it is seated there. 
And no man that has taken old wine desires. The Bible says to take new wine for he says the old is better. I'm talking about people who have sat under the anointing for so long that you almost think you understand the anointing. I'm talking of those who have sat in the choir for so long when the first time they told you you were going to lead worship, you went in your room and prayed because you were leading worship. Now you've gotten so used to the wine that when the new comes, you carry no desire for the new. Why? You've gotten so used to backing up that for you now backing up is simply getting your voice right and putting on the colors that match the worship choir. And then you come and stand behind my altar because you think that it is obvious that by reason of experience and use, you have been in this worship for so long. Eh? You don't even, some of you don't even need to practice anymore. They even have to plead with you to come and play the drums because it's almost obvious that you will know your lines very well because the songs Apostle Grace sings are obvious. You're getting used to the oil. And sooner or later, you're going to start rejecting the spirit. You know, the spirit can be grieved. The spirit can be rejected. And the spirit can be what? Quenched. You can quench. You can grieve. You can what? Reject. When the Bible speaks of men who reject the Holy Spirit, some are not far from the faith. They are not far from the faith. You've seen people who have sat in church for long, and then one time the person, they tell you, ah, this person stopped praying. And you're like, what? And sometimes you also don't understand it, because you see, for you, this has been like a drug. You don't know how to be out of the presence anymore. Because the gospel was not a movie that you overwatch and understand all the lines. Nobody can fully understand this mystery. We're all stewards of this. But we have never gotten over the enchantment of that wonder. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though we are stewards, it has still stayed beautiful. Every time it was poured out of the lips of one who knows. But now the intercessor gets the microphone. Because you have spoken in tongues for so long, you're no longer moving under the impulse of the Holy Spirit. No. You're now moving under the impulse of a man who has no experience. You're fulfilling right, all righteousness. Why? Because at that particular time, you are the one who has been on the program. The security guy is doing his work no longer as a spiritual man. But he's doing his work because he has gotten used to this. That's why sometimes I've seen experiences in this physical world that sometimes detach us from the will and purpose of new wine because we think that these experiences qualify us for deeper realms in him. I've seen that person who used to handle the chair speaking in tongues. And I've seen that person change through the chair because they're fulfilling all duty. I've seen men of God 
Who used to seek the face of God when they were called to minister? They were seated at the feet of Almighty God because they needed Rema. They wanted God to work through them a certain way. And I've seen the same individuals over the years now get so used to the anointing, to the oil. They've gotten so used, so used to ministry that for them preaching means I just speak two, three lines and just stand in front of people and preach the gospel. It might not appear that you're losing it because you'll stay with your wisdom and prudence. But you might not launch deeper than you think you are. So I started to realize that it's the getting used as the wine grows older. We can't embrace the new one because we prefer the old one. Some people used to sit under the power of God and the power of God used to touch you. Now it no longer does. Not because you have matured enough to stand in the glory of that anointing. But because you're becoming so callous and used to that anointing that you no longer connect to it. But you think that you're anointed enough to stand it. Yet when we look at you, we don't see the results of a man who can stand in that glory. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you in your earlier years of the gospel used to lock yourself up in the room and you'd feel God there. You wake up in tears, not because you're forcing them, but he was really there. You desired his word more than necessary food. But now everybody has people. You, you don't even remember the last time God really moved you. You don't even remember the last time God really touched your spirit. Uh-uh. You don't remember the last time you ever tasted new wine. You're still in the old. And as it grows older, it appears strong and with flavor, but it loses its intoxication. It carries the touch but has not the effect it carries the respect that comes with these experiences, but it lacks the, the consciousness to the progression of purpose. But you are born again. Oh, that's for babes. You understand? Can I still be slain? I'm not saying force it because that's fanaticism. You understand what I'm saying? That's fanatic. I'm not saying now... Say, say, God, throw me down. No, no, it's not about who falling, per se. No, but in there, there's someone trying to tell you. In there, right in there, there's someone trying to tell you. Some of you probably are figuring it out already. That some of you have gotten so used to the anointing, the presence, you've gotten so used that you no longer open your spirit to even receive the basic words proclaimed on your life. I'm not talking about falling here and screaming, no. I'm talking about the obvious of, okay, it is, oh, amen, scream, amen. But you see, your heart is not, it's not in the giving. It's not in there. It's not in there. It's not in there. Some of you have even taken for granted the servants the Lord is putting before you simply because they are available, simply because you have their phone numbers, Simply because you can walk to their car. Simply because you have their WhatsApp. Simply because they laugh with you. Simply. That if a servant of God in this ministry instructs you, you will take it lighter than the certain man of God in the other ministry whose number and phone number and WhatsApp you don't have. 
Because for some people, scarcity is value. They think that because a man is hard to get to, therefore he has a value. And they think that because people are close to you and they are with you every day, therefore they lose the value. You understand what I'm saying? But this is no longer about Lubega Grace. No, this is about God and what the Word of God is supposed to be doing in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is why sometimes you see men of God draw from some of you. Not because they have a problem with you, but because they realize you abuse their love for you. You're better off being treated a bit a distance. It's the only way you'll see the value. You understand? But that's wrong. Christianity is not supposed to be pastors far from their own. No, we're supposed to be there for you and with you. When you lose your own, we're supposed to be there. When you're sick, we're supposed to be there. When we fail, you're supposed to understand. You understand what I'm saying? So, and then I realized this by culture, in the Jewish culture, old wineskins were not necessarily wineskins that had been in existence for so long. Old wineskins in Jewish culture were wineskins that had taken so long without being washed in oil. In other words, when the wineskin becomes old, in culture, they used to get that wineskin and dip it in oil and soothe it and balm it and squeeze it. And as they squeeze it, it gains its newness. So a wineskin was not new or old depending on its time of existence. It was new or old depending on how far long ago it was dipped in oil. So this is not talking about old people. Old wineskins. We are talking about those old pastors. No, there are people who are old but are dipped in the oil. And there are people who are new, but it's been long since they sat in the oil. When was the last time you really had an experience of the Spirit? I'm not talking about the assumed experience. No, I'm talking about a real experience of the Spirit. And you came out and you were certain <laughs> that God had, had really moved you from one place to another. If there is one thing I have stayed constant with as a man of God, and I can share this before you and before God is my witness... I have refused, and I was warned this many years ago, to get used to the presence and the anointing. It is as new and good every day to me. I don't look at the anointing. I don't say, ah, oh, you know, uh, demonstration, that one, I just demonstrate. This is just demonstration, power of the Holy Ghost. No. The anointing, every time the anointing of the Holy Spirit flows off my life, I respect its newness because I know the wine skin needs it. I stay alert to the things of the spirit every time God moves as I was the first time I saw him when he moved upon my life because he told me as long as you lose sight of this wonder you will become wise and prudent but I will not be revealed. Many of us some of you it's because you've sat under too much revelation that not only do you despise it, but you also despise people with lower revelation. So you despise those with a lower revelation, but even the higher revelation that you've received in God, you have used and abused and taken for granted because you know it. You went to the end of your excitement and wonder. Now it's a knowledge 
Sadly, it's not working in your life, but you can repeat it. You can even teach it to a man who doesn't know it. Now, the word of God in your life can only benefit the man to whom you speak it, only to the level of the things Christ has wrought in you. But now you have become that one lady or person or man who knows the word so much, but it does not carry effect in your life. You get used to the word. You pray when you want. When you can't, you fail. You come to service anytime. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to grace. It's funny, I can take my time brushing teeth and combing my hair as long as I want. I mean, even if I enter when it's 30 minutes to the end of service, you will still meet me. I will understand what is preaching. Mama. And then those are the people who ask for appointments most. Can I tell you something? The people that are mostly serving this ministry relentlessly don't put a demand of time on me because the word literally gives them every answer. And these are people who are there every day. The people who play in the word are the people who seek counseling most. The people who consume our time most. And we're saying, okay, they are lost. Let us go for them every time because they are babes. We handle them as babes. And some of you mature ones, you feel like you're ignored because I'm attending to the babe. Understand, they need me now. But if we are three years down the gospel and you still come to me, for small little things. Then we are going back. Some people think, I, I left the church because they don't care for me. No, no, no. You have a traditional understanding of care. You think traditional understanding of care is the pastor calling you to check on you. How many of you were here when I t- told about the enabler? Huh? You remember those times? The victim, the persecutor, the helper. God has not called us to to take care of you. He has called us to care for you. There's a difference. There is no care for that you need like the word of God come into your spirit. That's all you need. That's all you need. It's what brought you in this ministry. You didn't come in this ministry because you're my best friend. No. You came to this ministry because we spoke things that make sense to you. And that is why some ministries have failed to grow. And they wonder why we're growing. Why? Because we, we are following the pattern of Christ. Not Ignatius of Antioch. Because we are losing the picture. And sometimes we are loving people into death. We are pampering cancerous cells to grow. Because we can't rebuke men enough to walk out of that sickness. Because they will think when we rebuke them, we don't love them. What is love? God is love. And who is God? God is his word. We can only love you as much as we invest every time I sit on my knees to pray. And I read the word for your sake. I love you. I don't need to send you a love message. I don't need to respond to your text at midnight to know I do. We seek this word for your sake. We read the Greek and Hebrew translations for your sake. We wake up every morning and invest hours in reading for your sake. We take off days of worship and prayer. 
we have fasted for months for your sake. We love you. That's enough to know we love you. I don't need to answer your text message for you to say, oh, now Apostle Grace loves me. He, he answered my text. He has ignored me. He doesn't love me. Okay, go to one who loves you. No, you're getting used. That's a sign of a man getting used to the oil. And some of you, you're getting to a point where the word of God no longer has effect, neither works for you, yet you know it here. But you don't receive it with meekness. He says receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your souls. But a certain pride has come up in you. You don't meek, it's pride. And it goes before a fall. Because you think you know. Yeah, you are yet one. I've gotten used to it. I know it. I know the service. That's why I ask people always, when was the last time you had an experience with God and a real experience with the Holy Spirit? I'll shock you. For me, it happens almost every day. It's how I keep the wineskin new. So when the wineskin is new, Every time new wine comes, it finds a ready soul, a prepared spirit, and an open mind. Because I have experiences with God every day. Almost every day. I tangibly feel Him. And I've realized that the anointing on my life continues to increase every day. The glory on my life increases every day. My character becomes better every day. I see that God is working on me every day. Why? Because I keep the wineskin washed in the oil. But many of you have lost the script. But you still carry the book in your hands. And people look at you responding to the book in your hands. But you've lost the script long ago. You're dry when men are getting filled. You're empty when men are refreshed. You are running out when certain men are getting filled. You are, you are losing when certain men are gaining. And you're asking yourself, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Am I rocking the right way? Listen. Somebody sent me a message this morning. And they said, I've been in this ministry for two years and five months. And they said, but Apostle Grace, one thing I can tell you is this for sure, that your God is faithful. This is someone who has been in the ministry for two years and five months. And there's somebody who has probably been in the ministry for four, five years. And they can only say that word simply as, as a word. Oh, God is faithful. But they, they cannot see the faithfulness of God in their lives. So I ask you, why is it that somebody in two years and five months has seen the faithful God and you are sitting under the same anointing, but you're not seeing God as faithful? Enough to even testify, or that if you did testify, then you are just simply fulfilling duty as a demand of the language and the semantics that we have gained in the Christian faith over time that no longer carry the test 
all grain of meaning anymore, but they are spoken because, again, we are prudent and wise enough to know what to say, when to say it. But whatever we're saying and knowing to say does not carry any bearing of experience personal to us. When was the last time you sat in your room and God was there? He was really there. You felt him there. You, you could feel him there. He would touch you and speak to you and you knew that he was talking. So when calamity befalls you, you don't have a sound. But you have many voices around you because now, even when you sit in church, in service, you're listening to my voice. You're no longer picking the sound of the spirit. You died long ago and you don't know. You're writing notes every day. You're confessing these things every day. But the pain of this shepherd is that they are not working in your life. And it's not that it's only, a, for some people, for some it's a matter of time, they're in incubation period. And a time will come when that incubation will hatch into the egg. But there's some I look at and I'm sure they're not under the incubation, but they're in the same nest. I can tell. We're just not as, as rigid enough to tell you, but we see. There's people I look at and I'm like, this one is not under the incubator, but they're in the same nest, but they're besides the incubator, but they're enjoying, and the wisdom and prudence is speaking through them. They're confessing the right things. Some are even actively serving, but they're not in purpose. They're busy bodies. When was the last time God really touched you? When was the last time you felt the anointing on your body? And some of you, I see you. When you come to service, I see some people literally running. I've seen it with my own eyes. And it reminds me of those days when literally you found yourself running. Not because Apostle had stepped on the pulpit, no. But because you didn't want to miss out on anything the presence had. It was the only thing that kept you safe. Now, somebody comes to the same service, packs their car, gets on WhatsApp, answers a few phone calls, walks around, does everything they want. Why? Yeah, yeah I know when he's going to step on the pulpit. I know when he's going to start preaching. And then you ask yourself, why isn't God moving in your life anymore? You desire the old. You cannot desire the new. The old is better. You are more used to the place where you think you know, you appear to know, you act to know. But the power of God is no longer evident on your life. And you do not know it anymore. You don't command anything in the spirit realm anymore. And guess what? Up to today, I still come to the presence of God with a feeling of missing out. I, I don't want to miss out anything. I don't want to miss out anything. Anything. And some of you, you know why you're like that? I'll tell you why. Because you've never really tested God. You've just had a few lines of, of electricity flowing through your body. You've never really, really, really tested God a certain way. No man can see God and leave. No man can see God and leave. No man can see God and, and you stay funny. 
No, something always keeps calling you back and telling you, look, this is not where you belong. You left that place long ago. You left the place of people who attend service when they want. You left the place of people who don't serve. You left the place of people who take the anointing for granted. That place you left long ago, he will always draw you. But when you feel that you're not drawn, maybe you belong there. Because you can't test God a certain way and be funny. Maybe your wisdom and prudence is deceiving you that you have. But you see, your character around the anointing is still betraying you. Because evidently, we are discovering by day that it's the anointing on the gift, not the anointing of the minister who has seen God. For if you had seen him, you'd be more dead than you're living. I, I can't tell you, take God seriously. You can't tell that to old wine skin. You can't tell it to desire new wine. But I can only tell you this one thing. This one thing and one thing only. Wear yourself. Just wear yourself against these words. Don't judge anybody here. Because maybe there's a lady who came late. But that late coming is not because she doesn't love God. No there was a possibility of her not coming even her coming here was because she did everything in her power to come she she was even going to miss service he was he barely made it because maybe he was waiting for somebody to give him transport or he has walked 10 kilometers to come so don't judge a man because he just walked in late no i'm not talking about that kind of thing i'm talking about you examining yourself against this you know why because some of you might live this life of salvation and finish ordinary and finish very ordinary men. Yet God was present all through. Speak to God. Speak to God. Just speak to God. Just speak in tongues. Just talk to Him. Just take a minute and just talk to Him. Just talk to Him. 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 The Bible says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. His mercies are new every day. His grace is available for you as it was the first time you touched him, tested him and saw him. But maybe you changed. Maybe you changed. And now there are compromises. Come on, talk to God. Just take a minute and talk to God for you. May my wisdom and prudence never hold back your revelation on my life. That's how replacements take place. And you start to realize that the babes are doing better than you, the wise one, the prudent one. He led me walk beside me cause I gave my life to the porter's hand you call me you guide me you lead me Beside me, 
evident you can't it's not possible it's your attitude it's your attitude you served faithfully then but now you're struggling to serve you used to set the equipment back in the day now they have to plead with you to Sometimes I'm in the presence at home and I'm out. Sometimes I'm in the presence and I'm crying like a baby. Sometimes I'm in the presence and I'm still. I'm not weeping or slain. Sometimes I'm in the presence and, and, and nothing is happening outside. But I know. But at least every day I have an experience of the newness of this wine. And the newness of the oil. For my skin. Never forget the skin is of flesh. Your, your flesh must be subject to the Holy Ghost. May we never get used to you God. Every time we are. Holy Spirit draw us. Back to the place where we cannot take you for granted. Hey! 
Cause I give my life to the porter's hand. Oh, you call me. You got me. You lead me. You walk beside. lose the wonder of his presence that you may never lose the enchantment of his glory that you may never lose the power of his word we are loved we were forgiven we are your righteousness in Christ and we won't take you lightly in Jesus name the message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International for more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at UMA Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Venero, make manifest.